Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please support this mission by subscribing to and rating the show on your favorite podcast channel, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere else. By doing so, you'll help others find the help which just might save their life. Also, please help by sharing a link to the show on all of your social media channels every time a new episode drops. And always remember to recover out loud. Hello, all you beautiful souls. After sorting out some technical difficulties, we are rolling for a very, very special edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Today on the show, I am very pleased to have Dr. Pamela Arnell join me. Uh, Pamela and I met at through via 220. And uh, 22.0, the first time I had uh, covered this was in episode 216. So a reminder to my audience, one of the things that I do with the show, with all my searching around the planet, is looking for a better mousetrap. And the best mousetrap I have found so far is right here uh, with 22.0, which uses a form of neuro-linguistic programming that specialized to veterans and first responders. Um, and I got some real, real bad news for uh, every, for all the therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists out there. Um, and you're, you're about to hear it with uh, Dr. Arnell. Pam, thanks for joining me, my friend. Good morning. Thank you for having me, my friend. I am so excited about being here. Um, I don't know where you want me to start. I can go into the history, how I got connected with twenty two zero, or well, that, if you want that was on my list. That was the first that thing. Was- Are you also <laughs> psychic? That is so cool. <laughs> well, so it's it's kind of funny um, how I actually got started with twenty two zero. I mean, the, in the county fire department, I live in Tennessee. Uh, volunteer fire department and so my assistant fire chief who was in the platoon with Dan asked me if I would be willing to go through the training and I said why (laughs) (laughs) I'm a freaking doctor (laughs) (laughs) and so being that I handle all of um incidents or anything that comes up within the fire department and even with the law enforcement here because I've worked with them for so long and, you know, my counseling business and as the youth service officer when I was in Giles County uh, for so many years, I've just gotten a really good relationship with them. And so I told him, no, I didn't think I needed to do that. And <clears throat> so then he convinces our fire chief, uh, Billy Myers, to go through the training. So now I have my fire chief, my assistant fire chief saying, hey, Pam, you need to go through the training. (laughs) No, why should I have to do that? You know, um, the big thing with them was I have a lot of respect for them. So I did it. The the one, not demand, but the one statement I said was, and First, I'll research it, but in order for me to actually go through the training, 
he's going to have to run me, meaning Dan Jarvis, which is the founder of 220, who's also, you know, a veteran. He's also retired law enforcement. And I said, so if you can figure out a way for me to have him run me through the process, I have to feel it. I have to believe it. I have to know it's real for me to put my name with it because I won't put my name or my professional name with just anything or anyone. And I started to walk away and then he's on the phone and he's calling Dan. I mean, I didn't mean he do it right then and there. We were getting ready to have a countywide meeting. <laughs> so, yeah. And I turned around and I looked at him and he said, yeah, he'll run you. And I just said, what? <laughs> he said, ah, he's going to run you. And I said, oh, lovely. How, how sweet is that? So um, in March of 2021, uh, I had to think because now we're in a new year, but in March 2021, um, I went through and did my research. I agreed to do the training out of respect for Billy and Ryan, um, only really and truly out of respect for them. So in April, I go through the training. Uh, Dan does run me uh, through the process, and I was just amazed. I kept thinking in the back of my head, I cannot believe this. And um, that night was the first time that I had slept. So basically what happened is the things that I thought were traumatic uh, really were not what, you know, they were traumatic at the time, you know, with a lot of childhood stuff, but um, more so with work-related trauma, fire department, uh, being on certain scenes. um, The job is the youth service officer, my job in that role was, you know, I was to serve and protect all the children in Giles County and, and make sure that they were safe. And, and I did that um, very diligently. And so there were just things there, including some childhood stuff. But what I was surprised was the outcome. Like that night, I slept. And, you know, I slept to the point that I actually woke up refreshed. And I and it was funny because the next day we went into the training and, and Dan asked how we were. And I said, what'd you do to me? <laughs> I don't know what you did to me. He said, what do you mean? I said, I slept. I mean, I didn't even move. I fell asleep and I woke up in the exact same position. I, and I normally would move a lot. So in saying that, I was bought into it. I said, okay, this is some good stuff. This is some really good stuff. Uh, So basically they had, um, this is the fifth year that 220 has been in operation. Um, They did a testing the model where they tested it on 100 participants. And I said, let me, you know, write a paper. So I wrote a paper for them, uh, finding your breakthrough. And um, ultimately, I do not like research. I don't like data. I don't like numbers. That's why I never went into the accounting field. Um, (laughs) But numbers don't lie. And so what I did was I said, you know, are you keeping up with those numbers? And they had kept up with the numbers for testing the model, the children's study, there was also a child study. Um, and so after that, I just spent from 
about May until, you know, even now I keep up with all that data. And the data comes from what we call the pre-scores, the post-scores. So we have a trauma screen, we have an anxiety screen, and we have a depression screen. And comparing those numbers from before going through the process to after the process is very telling. And I actually wrote down, um, I just actually did a report and we're in the process of getting it flared up, if you would. Um, some more of the digital components to it. But I wrote a paper, one, or not a paper, but a report, one for our veterans, uh, the veteran population, including their families. And then I just did one also for the first responders, fire, EMS. Um, law enforcement, and then their families, because we also work with our immediate families as well. Is there a place and anybody can go to read these? So once we get them done, uh, and when I say done, um, we have submitted them to uh, an individual that is actually going to make the graphic designs better, and then it will be available. We're going to put it on the website. On the 220 website. Perfect. On the twenty two zero website, mm-hmm. yes. Um, before we used the PSSI five, which was a trauma screen, um, we now use the PCL five trauma screen. And so, what I did was is I I did some numbers. I ran some data. So I'm going to go over that data with you. So basically, the highest you can score is for the trauma screen would be 80, um, and then 21 for the depression and the ang- and the anxiety screen. So for, let's talk veterans for a minute. Um, veterans are very dear to my heart. I have a lot of family members that are veterans. My husband's a veteran. He served 26 years. He was in Desert Storm. Um, Veterans are very, very, you know, passionate and and very much so in my heart, just as much as it is with law enforcement and and firefighters. But um, so on the PCL5, I ran 117 of the veterans we work with. And what I'm going to give you are the average scores. So for the PCL5, the average of the 117 was 50.98. Once we ran through the process with those individuals, which can take up to four sessions, most are done in one or two, the post score from the exact same 117 veterans and Gold Star family members and their children and spouses was 5.47. Oh, my gosh. So before we had the PCL5, we used the PSSI, which is still another trauma screen. And that was on 212 veterans, Gold Star members, and children and families, their spouses. So the average pre-score was 49.91 on the PC or on the PSSI. The post average for the exact 212 was 2.81. What has been the reception? To this, uh, like within the professional community, is veterans anybody at Veterans Affairs or any of the American Legion offices? Is there anybody that's 
able to accept this yet, or is it just a stone wall? So as you, I don't know, I'm guessing, you know, the VA did do a mission day break. Um, they submitted out for proposals for the mission day break grant for innovative measures to help end suicide in our veteran population. And <clears throat> there were a group of us that worked really hard on the mission day break proposal and we submitted it and we didn't even make it in the first round. They had data. We explained everything to them. I mean, it was very lengthy, detailed, but the VA would not even allow us in that first round. I applied to the same thing, and uh, I I gave them a whole – they were looking for ideas. And so I put out a whole thing, and I didn't make it through the first round either. (laughs) And and I'm a subject matter expert because of the show, Um, because nobody else has – looked at dozens and dozens of modalities you know I, right. I, like nobody has and, but they uh, i didn't get past the first round with that either it's it's frustrating have you had any positive results though have you been able to break through uh, anywhere like within government agencies or any of the places that uh, would be really nice if they could get on board so um We do have supporters. Um, We do have some of the American legions. We have um, James Redman, the Yance Valor, that are very much supporters of 220. As far as state agencies, no. Uh, And and what is sad is they think and their mindset that everything needs to stay the same. (laughs) So my question to legislators, to individuals that are up there in Washington and any other legislator, state body um, that can make a change, here's my question to you. It's not working. You know it's not working. Why is there such a negativity into finding a protocol or a measure that does work. In other words, we know it works. 220's been going for five years. We have we have worked with and healed many, and I'm talking thousands of individuals, veterans, firefighters, law enforcement that had been diagnosed with PTS. I will not put it as a disorder. PTS is not a disorder. It is an injury. It's an injury that can heal. We have the data to show it. Um, there's also the brain mapping. You can see the difference from someone using the, you know, with having the QEEG with the brain mapping. So if you do a brain scan, you can actually see that trauma. And there was a study that was going to be done, um, and we're in the process of finding a university that would be willing to do that study for us. 220 is a nonprofit. The money that we use goes toward our veterans. It goes toward our first responders. Our veterans and our first responders do not pay for any of the sessions that they go through. So we rely on donations. So again, my question that I'm going to ask individuals at the VA, when you have individuals that are, when you have veterans that go and die by suicide on the VA ground, they take months before they can see them. 
if they do see them, a lot of the times those individuals are being, those appointments are being canceled. So then you have to take weeks and months again for those individuals to be seen. We have people who have trauma. We have individuals who are not sleeping. We have individuals that are stuck in that fight or flight mode. What? Why is there such an issue with looking at different modalities that we know work? Um, we have been, you know, we've worked with so many individuals that give testimony after testimony after testimony and say, hey, why is it not recognized? Well, well you, got, you, you got to name it. it you got to name it to tame it, Pam. And uh, so let's let's name it. Let's name all these different barriers. So uh, the two things people hate the most is the way things are and change, right? Yes. And so we're uh, we're talking about Einstein's rule, the definition of insanity, and uh, and and that's what we're doing. We're we're acting like insane people because we keep doing the same thing, expecting. Uh, uh, better results by doing more of the same thing instead right. of adapting and putting in new protocols. But um, from the patient side, I can understand the skepticism because you don't want any more sanctuary trauma. You don't want to try just one more thing just to find out, oh, it didn't work. I knew it wouldn't work. I'm just going to mm-hmm. sit here and suffer. I knew it was hopeless and become that self-fulfilling uh prophecy and also there's the um uh, the sticky itch issue of pensions i live off of a pension because of uh, uh ptsd right i ain't given that baby up and um right. uh, but which is why uh if this was officially offered through veterans affairs you'd be like well i guess you don't need a pension anymore Ooh, wait a second yeah. but uh i got i was diagnosed uh in my late 40s though uh, in like two, th- so what about the twenty some odd years uh, prior to that? You know, so in in my mind, I'm getting paid for the lost twenty five, twenty seven years. So I'm, it's, I lost twenty seven years. That's what I'm getting paid yes. for for the rest of my life. You know, yes. Uh, am I healed right now? Yeah, pretty healed, and uh, and feeling good. Uh, healing happens, but I went through hell. I, I went through a meat grinder and a frickin' half. So I'm keeping my pension, thanks. But there's going to be that fear. Now, on the clinical side of things, this really threatens the business model. However, as you and I were talking pre-show, um, wave the magic wand, poof, 22-0, PTS uh, injury is gone. It, it just, it's just fixed. Like, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, poof, it's done. Um, crazy, but true. So now what? Well, you still need a therapist, psychologist, you know, um, psychiatrist, probably not, but, uh, a therapist, psychologist, you know, um, to rebuild your life. Cause you have to learn how to be the new you with, with functioning trauma free. Right. What do I do now without the nightmares? What do I do now without the hypervigilance? Right. What, what, what do I do now without the injury, without the restrictions, with, without all these things holding me back? Oh, my God. All the things that I, I couldn't do before. I can go into crowds now. I can go shopping. I can go to a bloody rock concert now. I can go to the mall when it's busy. All these things. So now what? How do I live now? And, and would you agree that that's exactly why you need a therapist, a psychologist, somebody that's good to, to help navigate those waters? 
Yes. And, you know, there are so many individuals who are suffering. All we want, we want to end the trauma. We want to, most of all, end the suicides. You know, 22-0 came out of, on, at one time, on average, there were 22 veterans a day that died by suicide. I beg to differ that number. Yeah, it's a low you know, number. Recent, recently, there was, and within a few months, there was a recent um, release that there were actually 44. I would still say that that is a low number. Yeah. That's an average. But once you get... The, and and this is what I tell everyone that I work with after we're done, be it one session, two session, or even three sessions. Welcome to the new you. They have to know how to be able to live and what to do with the new them without being hypervigilant, without having that trauma, without being stuck in that fight or flight mode, without having to deal with, um, you know, staying in the house and becoming recluses because they don't want to go out into the world because they're so, you know, traumatized and afraid. Well, once all of that is gone, that's where the counselors, that's where the, you know, psychologists, well, not psychologists, but more so the counselors and, and the therapists could come in and, well, and, in, and even psychologists and help teach those individuals how to live the new life. So going back to something that you had said before, what we do, your employer is never contacted. The VA is never contacted unless you report it to the VA, unless you report it to your employer, strictly confidential. I, I, I am very strict about ethical issues, uh, you know, just maintaining the ethical guideline, the confidentiality, unless you tell somebody, meaning your employer, that you went through this, they are never going to know. Unless you tell someone at the VA that you went through this, they are never going to know. Our confidentiality is something that is very particular with us, which it should be, um, because we were Not only are we looking at making sure that we can help veterans and first responders and their families, but we are protecting them. We're protecting them because, one, you're not going to talk about any of the trauma. We don't allow you to talk about the trauma. This is not talk therapy. This is not EMDR. What you're doing is we are going to run you through two protocols, okay, it's strictly confidential. It's not therapy. It's not counseling. It is not EMDR. It is strictly running someone through the protocols to bring them out of that fight or flight mode, get the triggers gone, get it so that they're not suffering from the PTS, getting it so that their anxiety is much lower or gone. And then living that new life. So they'll be able to go and say, hey, okay, I don't have this anymore, but now what do I do? How do I live? I don't know what, what am I supposed to do? This is how I've done it for 10, 15, 20 years. What do I do now? And that's where they can, the mental health field can come in and work with them and help develop tools so that they would be able to know who the new you is going to be. Pam, I know with some of the conventional therapies like ART I don't what does ART stand for by the mm-hmm. way what do you remember what it stands for so 
ART it's it's a form of the the NLP and basically the neurolinguistic programming has got different formats or not formats but different forms of the NLP process so you've got the NLP and then it kind of umbrellas down um to so what I was going to different ask types. With the ART, um, like are, there are modalities that can cause harm if they're not done right. Um, it, you, and that's another pre-show thing we were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, harm was done mm-hmm. to me because uh, I was hung in the moment of reliving this moment in HD Technicolor uh, for 18 hours, uh, a microsecond mm-hmm. of when I hit a tripwire. Um, that moment of, oh, I guess I'm dead now. Uh, relived for 18 hours, which caused so much damage to me because uh, like, it was done wrong. So with 22-0, is there any way of screwing it up uh, and, and, and going, can 22-0 do harm as well as good? 22-0 does not do any harm. Um, basically, what we're doing are, with the two protocols it's disconnecting the neural pathways from the medulla and the limbic system. And by following a specific protocol or the specific guidelines that are set forth by 22-0, um, you're not going to mess up somebody. So you're not going to cause any further damage or any further harm. You're going to give them relief in a lot of different areas um, meaning with the trauma, <clears throat> the anxiety, and then those individuals that have depression um, related to trauma. This does not work for someone who has a mood disorder. This does not work for somebody that has a personality disorder. This is specifically trauma-focused. And so it you have to be out of that trauma, meaning if you're in a daily situation, um, I'm just going to make up, an example. So say someone is in a domestic violence situation and they continue to stay in that domestic violence situation. They're, this is not going to help with that. No, because it keeps refilling the cup. It keeps refilling the cup. And so you have to be out of the traumatic events. And then what we do is we go as far back even to the root of when it you know, started but we can do it without you talking about any of the content. And as a matter of fact, you're not allowed to tell the content of any of the trauma. We do not allow you to do that. What are the common themes on the show from all the different global experts that I've had on, which is a lot, is that addiction and trauma cannot be separated. Uh, everybody who's an addict, it's because uh, there's some unresolved trauma somewhere. I just saw that was an excellent face you just made, <laughs> but uh, that this is one of the. It's been it's been a maxim um, that there's never been, uh, and this is from numerous numerous, not just the PhDs, but all the people in between that work with the frontliners. This is what they keep telling me. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying this is what they. Uh, uh, I'm keep being told. So it seems to me that if you resolve the underlying traumas, that uh, it's a lot easier for the addictions to go away. It is very much so. So l- l- let's look at, let's break that down a little bit. <laughs> so someone has a trauma and they decide to start drinking. Why are they drinking? Yes, there are traumas and there are underlying traumas but they're self-medicating. 
Is there a genetic component? So, yes, there are genetic components of, you know, things that are passed down. Addiction does have a genetic component, just like someone with heart disease, diabetes, um, high blood pressure. Those are genetic pieces. But with looking at the addiction piece and saying, making a statement and saying that it's not, I mean, that it's separate. So imagine if you would an infant being born, is that infant going to be born unless they were exposed? And I'm talking about an infant that is not, exposed to drugs and alcohol i'm talking about a healthy newborn infant is their goal when they come out to be in, to be an addict of or not. to deal with addiction yeah. no or be traumatized so yeah. when you have the trauma what people are doing is they're self-medicating they're self-medicating with the alcohol they're self-medicating with the drugs they're self-medicating with all of that So the addiction piece does go back and connect with some trauma, be it a recent trauma, a childhood trauma. There is some trauma because bottom line, what do you do in the military? And I can say this just because, you know, I've, I've lived it. I'm a spouse. My husband's a veteran. What happens when you see individuals that are going and doing, you know, up at the American Legion? And I'm not knocking the American Legion. They're great supporters. I just want to throw that out there. But I know when we go and support and we have our meetings at the Legion. And I see, you know, in the past, I've seen so many of them. They're just consuming alcohol. They're doing it to not think. They're doing it to not remember. They're doing it so they don't have to deal with the flashbacks. They're doing it so they don't have to hopefully have nightmares of the events over and over and over. They're trying trying to numb it down. When in fact, what we also know, alcohol is a depressant. So one, you've got someone that's depressed and you're drinking a lot of alcohol, then that's making the depression worse. Okay. Drugs. It's going to be another method of self-medicating. Unfortunately, we see a lot of individuals who will self-medicate with alcohol and or drugs or both because of the trauma. Heal the trauma. Clear out the addiction. There's no need to have the alcohol and the drugs because the trauma is not there. It sounds like we're on the same page. I may have, uh, we might've got our wires crossed in the beginning of the statement because you, you made that face of like, Oh, this, this is a contradiction, but no, we're saying this, we're saying exact, exactly the same thing. Like when, when the trauma is resolved, there's no reason to be the addict. Exactly. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Cause I thought you were saying they were saying it was not connected. Oh no, no. I said what? the opposite. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so one more expert on the show agreeing with with this maxim then that um, okay. that uh, you 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 don't really have addiction without the trauma. It just it, it it's rare if ever. It's it, there's not a lot of it. So if you clear out the the trauma using twenty two zero, which is the most efficient way I know of, 
uh, chances are pretty good addiction will just go away. And But there's another component, though. Uh, we treat ourselves the way we believe we deserve to be treated. Otherwise said, we can only rise to our level of self-concept. And so if you believe that I'm a piece of crap, then that's how you treat yourself. So clearing out the trauma doesn't really fix that. I feel like I think I'm a piece of crap piece, you know. Uh, I mean, there's two parts of, of what... Uh, we do at 220 it's the um, the individual trauma and also the emotional part so we uh, clear out emotions such as anger sadness fear frustration rejection abandonment shame guilt hurt self-sabotage and limiting decisions Um, that's going to help with the self-esteem once you clear that out but I don't think it's going to fix it is it Pam well I can tell you it did me. <laughs> okay, so you get rid of the emotional pieces and, and the self-esteem, it's just there? Because it's not so much you have to build it, you have to get rid of the blockers to allow so you, it. Right. So basically, Interesting. Th- we go through two, you know, the two protocols. We've got the trauma resiliency protocol for the trauma. We do have the EMP, which is the emotions management process. So when you've got those... Um, self-doubts, the limited beliefs that you're being told you're, you know, a piece of crap or whatever, um, or you're not ever going to amount to anything, you know, you're always going to be stuck doing the same thing over and over and over, or, you know, you're ugly or whatever it is. Um, Those negative emotions, what we do is we're disconnecting those negative emotions. We're reframing that. We're placing it with... Um, the positive emotions, the positive part of it. But basically, you can take those negative emotions and you can get rid of those negative emotions. We reframe it. We look at it. We get that's also going back to the root. When was the first time you felt anger? When was the first time you felt like you were never going to be good enough? When was the first time you felt like or you were told you would never mount to anything or you would never do anything successful go back and we change it so yes we can that's beautiful i um have a couple of family members that live in squalor and Mm -hmm. uh, are unable to work uh, or unable to to live a a, a healthy life and now i have a way of if they'll allow me <laughs> now i have a way of uh helping if they'll allow me to run them th- through the protocol but uh what are some of the from, from people that would like to have the help but they're skeptical what are some of the biggest uh drivers of people that really should say yes <laughs> to to uh, going through the protocols with a 220 coach but they don't what are some of their fears and skepticisms uh, what have you come across so one is going to be they're afraid we're going to tell the VA. Mm. One's going to be afraid we're going to tell the employer, which we're not. Um, one's going to be that they're going to have to come in and tell that story over and over and over. Yeah, it sucks. When you're you not. Yeah. You're not. Um, like I said earlier, they are not allowed to share any of the content of the trauma. We can run the protocols. We have been successful in getting them triggered bringing them out of that trigger and then going right into the protocols. 
Um, the other part of that is going to be, you know, for the veterans and first responders, at the, even as recent as Saturday, I got a phone call and they said, how, how do you bill my insurance? Okay, are you a veteran or first responder? I'm, I'm a police officer. Well, I don't need your insurance. Don't want your insurance because I'm going to take care of you for free. And so <laughs> veterans, Gold Star family members, um, the law enforcement, firefighters, EMS, meaning paramedics, you know, that also includes corrections, um, number one dispatchers, because that would be considered part of the first responder group. Uh, it is not going to cost you anything. You're not going to have to worry about us letting your employer know we're not going to take insurance from you. You're not going to pay for the treatment. Um, we have a peer-to-peer program. So that peer-to-peer program is, if you're a veteran, I'm going to connect you with one of my veteran coaches. If you are law enforcement, I'm going to connect you with one of my law enforcement coaches that have been completely trained. That it, It's a peer-to-peer program. We know peer-to-peer programs work. It's easier for someone who is a veteran or first responder to go in and know, hey, there's a connection. I was, you know, in the military or I was in law enforcement. I was a firefighter. I can connect easier versus going in and having to tell that story, that trauma over and over and over to someone that they don't know who doesn't even understand. You know, the one good thing... The one thing that I can reflect back on, yes, I've got the degree. Yes, I've, my field is in psychology, but my father was a police officer. I was brought up in the Blue Line family. Okay. Yes, I have other family members that were in law enforcement. Also, in saying that, I, the fire department, I have family members that were in the fire department. I'm going to be able to connect and understand and know real quickly versus someone who has no experience other than working with law enforcement or working with veterans or working with first responders, firefighters. I'm going to have an easier time getting a rapport because I've been there. I don't care that I have the clinical background I've been there. It's the uh, cultural competence. Uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Collier, he was uh, we, we knew each other in high school, and then he went on to be a paramedic for a great long uh, time, and uh, he was doing helping with the exposure therapy for for, for people. Uh, hopefully, it was working for him, but uh, I'll definitely want to run him through the protocols as yes. as well. He's a good dude. Um, oh, I had a point. Lost the point. I had a point. I was going somewhere with that, Pam. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) You you may tell you some more data? Sure, yeah. Please. We talked about the the veterans, okay? Um, Let me tell you about the first responders. So for the, I did 102 first responders. This is going to be law enforcement, firefighters, um, EMS, okay? For the PCO5, they're pre-average for the 102. 102 first responders was 37.54. The post was 5.72. I did 125 
with the PSI, which is the data that was collected before, um, or the method, the form, trauma form that we used before, the average was 47.13, and our post was 2.54. The average number of sessions um, has been between 1 and 2, which is going to be 1.6. Talking about the anxiety earlier, the pre-average was 10.94 for the generalized anxiety, and the post was 2.18 for our first responders. It works. Numbers don't lie. You know, in the pre-show, I told you it's funny that I'm the one keeping up with the data because I don't like research. I don't like the numbers. That's why I was never an accountant. I didn't want to be a part of that part of the field, you know, um, but numbers don't lie. Well, when, uh, when you put me through the course, there's about 25 of us on that zoom call and mm-hmm. I watched 25 people heal. Plus I yes. experienced it personally myself, which is fantastic. And so much has changed for me, uh, for, for the better, even though I've, I've done more healing through more modalities than, most humans, that's for sure, <laughs> including do, uh, doing a couple's equine therapy thing uh, later this week for a few days, which will be beautiful. I love equine assisted therapy; it's great. Um, so let's talk about accessibility. There's only three twenty-two zero coaches in Canada, and I'm one of them. <laughs> so, um, uh, if somebody wants to to Give it a world. No, it doesn't matter how the beautiful part is. Uh, it doesn't matter how skeptical you are. Doesn't doesn't matter. Be as skeptical. You don't have to be uh, a, a believer. It's not faith healing. So be as skeptical as you want to be. All you got to be is cooperative. Got to be sober while it's happening, and um, yes. and you can do it over a Zoom call. So uh, no problem. It can be a video call. But uh, how does people? How do people find a coach? So you basically there's if you go to the twenty two zero website and that's the number two two z e r o dot org, um, go to our website. Also, let me say on our website there's a lot of information about our documentary Healing the Heroes of Nine Eleven. So for those of you that are skeptical, good point. I want you to watch the Healing the Heroes of Nine Eleven. Um, and here's the reason why. Because what they did was they went and worked with individuals that were involved with 9-11. They were, um, there was some from the Pentagon and in New York, and it was released on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So they're telling their stories before, how they were before, going through the process, and then after. Uh, So please watch that. But if you go to our website, the 220 website, there's a lot of information. My phone number's on there. You can go to where it says gethelp.org, G-E-T-H-E-L-P.org. Um, what's going to happen is once you fill out that information, it's going to automatically come to me uh, and Trisha. Trisha's our social worker. And we are going to contact individuals within, you know, the minutes is however long it takes you to answer your phone when we call um i understand a lot of individuals may not 
know why is this number from 931 calling. Well, that's a Tennessee number, and that's my number. So basically, you know, what I want you to understand is we are going to get you seen. We're not going to have you um, waiting days and weeks and months. We're going to contact you. We're going to do the pre-assessment. And within that day, you're going to be assigned to the coach and the coach is going to reach out and talk with you. And I can't stress it enough. It is, you don't get re-traumatized. You don't have to talk about, matter of fact, we don't let you talk about the trauma. You stay as far away from it as possible. And the the protocols are built in such a way as to protect you from reliving the tra- trauma and getting re-triggered. So um, it is very non-invasive. It's very non-invasive. Uh, and I can understand anybody who's been through conventional uh, therapy, I often call it the meat grinder. It's horrible. It's so bad. But I just breathe ooh, and suck it up. And it, it's like jumping into ice water every damn time. Only there's piranhas in the <laughs> ice water. And... Um, Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Killer penguins. But but it's um but it's not like that. It's it it's not it's not a grind. It's not invasive like conventional therapy. It just isn't. It's very comfortable and uh it, it doesn't screw you up for the next five days after. It's quite right. the opposite. Uh you feel nothing but relief and ah after going through the protocol. And actually going through the protocol is not painful. It is not painful. It is not stressful. And, um, hey, what do you got to lose? Other than your mind. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. You know, when I think about it, (laughs) the goal and our mission is that we end suicide with our veterans and our first responders because there is no reason when you have the help and when you have someone that is dedicated to reach out and get that help, there's no reason for that to happen. You know, we're not going to have you waiting. We're, my phone is with me 24-7. My phone is with me at church. My phone is beside my bed. The 800 number comes directly to me. I am going to take those calls. I'm going to take the calls in the middle of the night. I am going to do whatever I need to do to get you safe and get you taken care of, get you through the protocol, because we do not need any more to die by suicide. We do not. And it's not just that. We don't need people suffering and being in anguish because of the trauma, because of childhood trauma, because of being in the military, being in the fire department, being, you know, EMS workers or being in law enforcement. We don't need that. And the other part of that is employers, you should be more um What's the word I'm looking for? You should be more supportive of letting your workers get the help they need. If you want people to be successful, you want your law enforcement, your fire department, you know, military, you want your active duty and the veterans to be successful. Encourage them. Let them get that help. Don't ridicule somebody. 
don't make them feel they're, you know, supposed to be tough and all that. Because even the leaders, you're not all tough and all that. You can portray well, that the, all the, you the, want, but the, you're not. There is no level of toughness that can protect yeah. you from a PTS injury. Um, how I often frame it is that, could you imagine somebody hits a landmine and gets their legs blown off and a bunch of douchebags start going, oh, you got, what, what are you, didn't see the mine? What are you, stupid? Yeah. Are you, were you blind or something? You know, yeah. uh, or you're what that that little mind it took off your legs. Oh, what what are you? You got weak little licorice legs. You got weak shins or something. It's like God, that never would have happened to me. My shins are ten times stronger than your shins. You freaking weakling, dummy. Right. No, nobody in their right mind would ever do that. Nobody would ever do that. But that's exactly what happens still with mental health. It's getting better. The stigma, the stigma is subsiding, and people are getting better. But uh, right now, I know of uh, RCMP members. That's a Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I know of RCMP members that are being treated like that right now. Well, they oh, got to yeah. suck it up, Buttercup. This is what well, you knew what you signed up for. One of the famous lines: "You knew what you signed yeah. up for." Well, what does that even mean? It's like, first of all, nobody knows what they're signing up for. Uh, like zero, no people. You know, you you can't describe it in, uh, in, until you experience it, and even when you experience it, you can't describe it. Um, and if they signed up for it, well, doesn't that is isn't that like even more worthy of compassion? It's like, you, oh, you knew you were going to get injured, and you did it anyway. Well, <laughs> now that's what a hero actually is. So, right on. Now that you're heroed, you're 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 injured. Let's take care of you. Right. All right, that's all we want. We just want to help them. We want people healed. We don't want people suffering. We don't want our military suffering, our first responders suffering, their families. We don't want that. Well, our system has failed so horribly, Pamela. I don't know if you've been hearing it much in the States. Uh, it, is, it has been international news, but I've been a center point of um, a big story here in Canada about medical assistance and dying. So state-sanctioned suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. state-sanctioned suicide. There was a veteran, uh, numerous veterans. I think there's probably dozens and dozens of them, but I've found about seven so far uh, who called Veterans Affairs Canada. And during the conversation, out of the blue, the um, the veteran service agent, the caseworker, says, oh, by the way, if up the road you start getting suicidal thoughts, just give us a call. We can, we can kill you. We'll hook you up with the MAID program. So doing the exact opposite of what you and I are doing, <laughs> you know, and planting that seed, planting that seed in people so that, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be messy. I know that the majority of veterans and first responders that have suicidal thoughts, the thing that keeps them alive, probably more than anything, is that they don't want to be a burden to somebody else. They don't want somebody else to clean up the mess, uh, you know, they don't want somebody finding their body or they don't want uh, the crows and the bears picking at their corpse if they do it in the forest, you know, right. and, and it's these thoughts that keep them from doing it. And then the government says, oh, all those barriers that are keeping you alive, let's just get rid of that. You just show on up and it's like a, almost no waiting period whatsoever and poof, you're gone and we're happy yeah. to do it. You know, um, it's it's absolutely bloody diabolical, but it's a failure of the system. If all 
all we need is to grow 22-0, right? And the government ain't yes. going to do it. The government's not nope. going to say yes. Veterans Affairs isn't going to say yes. Uh, so we got to do it ourselves. And, exactly. Uh, and then, then there will be no need because people won't be suffering anymore. Right. And that is true. Yeah, we have to do it ourselves. And we're doing it. We are definitely doing it. So the, the website for 220, what's the, web, what's the website address? So it is the number 2222zero.org. Uh, my email is Dr. Arnell, D-R-A-R-N-E-L-L at 220.org. Uh, my number is 931-638-7131. 638-7131. Yeah. All right. And uh, now I am not the saint that uh, Dr. Arnell is. I'm not... I, I don't walk around with my phone. I'm not going to answer it at three in the morning. Hell no. <laughs> not happen on for, for this cat. So somebody wants to get a hold of me to run them through the protocol. I will, but it's by appointment. You'll have to have some patience. I'll pick a day a week or something where I'll, <laughs> you know, uh, I, no, I'm not a crisis line. Pam can be not this cat. So <laughs> I'm nice. I'm not that nice. But uh, that's why I don't want to be a tow truck driver. I don't want to be on hold uh, <laughs> or uh, on call all the time. But um, other than that, reach out to 220.org and reach out for help. Everything is confidential. It is non-invasive. And yes, I will run people through the protocols. Uh, absolutely, I will. Um, just got to pick a date and a time. And uh, we just need a video call. You just got to be sober straight and sober you know so if you can't sober it long enough for me to uh, to run you through the protocol i'm sorry i can't help you but if you can sober up long enough for that we're cool accept a video call and uh and, and we'll just do it and you can experience it for yourself and again be as skeptical as you like it doesn't matter it's it. uh <laughs> skeptics are are more than welcome um, oh, most definitely. <laughs> I, I wish more pr- practitioners would run through it, you know. Um, oh, I just lost you. Weird. Well, maybe she'll come back. Uh, I was just about to uh, close out the show anyway, so I'm not sure why she's gone. But anyway, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for tuning in to a very, very special edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Please um, reach out. Reach out to me, reach out to 220.org and feel the heal. <laughs> Let us help you. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please, Share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels because sharing is caring.